Okay, so welcome to Tanya class. We are on chapter 33. Um, we're moving right along. And like I said before, it's a very special day. It's Yotas Kislev, the day the Altrever was freed from prison and the day that the Tanya really became available to the masses and um, so privileged to be able to, to be teaching Tanya today. So uh, thank you for joining me and let us get started. Okay, so chapter 33. So what's interesting about this chapter is that I'm gonna give you a little bit of context with our like like our timeline of Tanya. So we had chapter 26, through 31, which, what were we doing? We were addressing our, like, our obstacles, right? We were problem solving any, any situations that would come up that would in, inhibit us from serving God, right, properly. But the point of those chapters was to tell us that um, it's imperative to be serving Hashem with joy, right? That all those problem-solving chapters, why, why do you care if problems come in the way? Because problems bring us down emotionally. And if we want to serve God in the best possible way, we need to serve God with joy. Why? And we said this a million times, because anything you do with joy is better. Exactly. So obviously we want to give our best to Hashem. And so we need to serve God with joy. So all those chapters, the end game was to you know, impart to us the importance of joy in our service of Hashem. So in order to do that, we troubleshooted all, troubleshot, all the problems that could come up. Then remember last week we took a break. Okay. We took a break from troubleshooting and we um, digressed for a minute about loving your neighbor as yourself. Why? Why did that make sense? to bring that up, to love your neighbor as yourself, because we remember we were having this identity shift, right? And when we have this identity shift within ourselves, it allows us to have this identity shift for our fellow. But we, uh, before I get there, I wanna quickly review the, the last couple chapters and quickly, quickly, quickly review all the problems that we took care of till now, okay? So, um, and remember the, 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 the metaphor that we gave for the serving Hashem with joy is always better is remember that wrestler, right? The wrestler can be the best wrestler in the world, but if he's down that day or he's out of sorts or he's not focused, then he loses, right? And those, so that's the metaphor that we gave for serving Hashem with joy. So, we, so going back to chapter 26, we dealt with sadness over physical matters, right? If we are have any material problems, whether it's um, monetary, health, and children, right? Those cover the main problems. We discuss how we can troubleshoot those. Then we discuss guilt. Remember, this is a really fast review, so I'm not going to give details. I'm just like sparking that memory to help us be present where we are, okay? So then we talked about guilt with our spiritual matters, right? Guilt over things that we didn't do right spiritually. Then we went into shame about our impulses, right? Maybe even if we weren't, um, we didn't actually act on any of these things, but we feel shame for even wanting to do negative things, right? And then we talked about our lack of concentration in prayer, right? We talked about how that's not really a problem, right? And then we talked about apathy. We spent a couple chapters talking about apathy because apathy is our biggest, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Our biggest obstacle. Because ap when you have, when, if you have apathy, then you're really like, there's, it's very difficult. So we need to smash the apathy, right? And we said, it's very harsh. We don't do this nowadays, but we talked about be, becoming a master of accounts, really digging into our behaviors and really in detail, knowing where we went wrong and how we went wrong and how we're gonna do that. And we talked about smashing the animal soul, right? And we need to break the animal soul. And then 
we added humility into the mix, right? Because obviously humility is a very, very big part of this. And we said, don't think you're better than anybody else, right? You're going to look at your neighbor and you're going to say, oh, well, at least I'm not doing that, right? And what does the altar ever say? It's, he says, don't, not so fast, right? Because you don't know the struggles that that person's having. You, you know, to God, the work and the service is where it's at. And if you're just serving God and it's easy for you, then that person who you think is way lower than you is already is ahead of the game, right? So don't think you can look at somebody else and judge them and say, well, at least I'm not doing that, right? So that adds humility into the mix. And then we, add, we said, we have to channel our frustration to action. And the Tanya made a point of telling us there's a difference between bitterness and sadness. Right. We said sadness brings us down and it's 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 unmotivating and we don't do anything about it. When we feel sad, we just want to crawl into bed. We don't want to come out. We're depressed. There's no action related to it. But frustration that leads to action. And we we want to channel that frustration into changing our behavior. OK, so that's where that identity shift came in. Right. Because we said. We can rejoice in our true self, which is our godly soul. That's our true self. It's not our default method, but it's our true self. So we can rejoice with our, in our true self at the same time as being frustrated with our fake ego self, which is the animal soul. You're with me? Okay. So we can have two opposing motions at the same time. Wow right? Like we, we can do two things at the same time. We can feel two things at the same time. We can feel love and, and happiness and connection with our animal soul, with our God, excuse me, with our godly soul, because that's who we really are. And we can be frustrated with our animal soul's distraction and cover, covering over who we really are, right? So that's when we transitioned into chapter 32, because we said once we can apply that identity shift for ourselves, once we know that we can love ourselves truly, then we know that we can love our fellow, right? And what did we say the most important point is? is that you cannot love somebody else until you love yourself. There's no such thing. It's never going to work, okay? Because what we know is that we're really all collectively part of the same soul. And if you love yourself, you can love somebody else because we really are the same. And when somebody else has something, it's not taking away from you. We're not competing for resources, right? That's what we talked about last time in, in great length. Okay, so Ahavas Yisroel, loving your fellow Jew unconditionally. So it means we're loving somebody not dependent on any outside external qualities, only because they're a fellow Jew and we come from this, we're cut from the same cloth. Okay. So this is um, where we left off. Now we're going to go back to that theme of joy. Okay. So we took a one chapter break and now in chapters 33 and 34, we're going to be talking about joy again. Okay. But the difference is, is that the way we're going to be talking about joy in these two chapters is, is a little different. Previously, we were troubleshooting, right? We were saying, okay, so get rid of this situation and this obstacle, and that will bring you joy. And now we're saying, so that's a little bit more reactive. We talked about joy in a reactive sense. Now we're going to talk about joy in a proactive way, okay? We're not trying to take away any other emotions. We are proactively activating the joy within us through, this is what we're going to talk about this whole chapter, through creating a dwelling place for God in this world. So by creating a dwelling place for God in this world, that's what's going to bring us joy. Okay. And that's what we're going to do in this chapter. A little heads up for what's coming, because I always think it helps put things in, to, into perspective. Chapters 35 and 37 is going to talk about creating a dwelling place for God as a standalone subject, not in relation to joy necessarily. So now in these chapters, we're talking about the dwelling place for God as a means to an end, 
right? As a way to get to joy. But the, but really we're going to learn that the creating a dwelling place for God is really the foundation of who we are. So it needs a lot more discussion and we're going to continue talking about it as a subject onto its own in the um, after chapter 34 for a few chapters. Okay. So now in this context, we're, we're talking about this wonderful concept of creating a dwelling place for God because it's going to bring us joy. Okay. So we're proactively um, chasing the joy instead of reactively trying to get rid of negative emotions and replacing them with joy. Okay. Any questions so far? Okay, good. You know what to do with the questions, right? Anyone on Instagram, use your chat box because um, I can see it actually and Zoom, unmute or use the chat box, chat box okay? So, um, okay, what chapter are we discussing? We're on chapter 33, okay? Um, so, what, what's, so what's the joy in this chapter? How do, what are we talking about and how do we get there, okay? So, like I said before, creating a dwelling place for Hashem and adapting that as a mental state, taking that concept and making it part of our brain and how we operate and how we view things, making it more of like who we are and what we're doing, not just this foreign concept, but really creating it as part of our day-to-day -day life, which is so powerful, okay? So how do we do that? How are we creating this mental state of godliness permeating our world and making our physical homes a home for God? So the Tanya tells us exactly what we need to do. This is what we need to think about to create this emotion and to create this reality for ourselves, okay? What do we need to think about? We need to think about the fact that this world, meaning... Created entities does not contradict the fact that Hashem is present right here, right now, in everything that we see, do, touch, feel. Okay? So the fact that we are created beings and we're living in a created world, which we're going to discuss in a minute, is not a problem. It doesn't counteract, it doesn't contradict the fact that God is present in everything in this world for real. Right now, right here, right in front of us. We don't have to, God is in the heavens. That's not a reality. God is everywhere, okay? So the fact that Hashem is present here, everything that we experience is godly. And the fact that we experience the world as a physical entity separate from God is a subjective experience, okay? And the actual reality is that Hashem is continues to be and will always be the, re, the really the only existence that there is, okay? So this is big. Okay. We're saying big stuff here. What are we saying? We're saying that God is in every single thing that we do and that, that we feel that we touch the fact that we're in a created reality does not contradict that. Actually, the fact that we um, experience the world in such a physical way that we think is separate from God is a subjective reality. It's not God's reality. Okay. And if you were with me, in chapters 18 through 25, we th that is where we delved into the, the non-duality of God. If you, if you weren't with me with those chapters, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to them because for seven chapters, we talked about this concept in great depth, okay? So by default, we think that creation is outside of Hashem. Okay, that's how we operate. That's that's kind of our default method because we live in a physical world. We're physical beings. We go on with our day-to-day -day life. Sometimes, I mean, I can go a whole day without thinking about God. Sometimes, I'm not proud of it, but it happens, you know? But if you start to 
understand that this is actually your reality, then it's not going to become two separate things. Your reality and your mundane reality and your spiritual reality are going to start to fuse. Okay. So what we need to understand is that really everything is an extension of God. Okay. Um, but how do we understand this really wacky concept to grasp? Because we remember we have physical brains. Our brains are limited. And I, I remember saying this in the beginning. Um, and I don't know if any of you remember, but I always said like, we are charged with the, um, uh, responsibility to understand God to our best of our ability. We can't just throw up our hands and say, well, I don't understand it. And so I'm going to leave it alone. We are really, really expected to dig deep and understand God to our, the best of our ability. But eventually we're going to hit a wall. Eventually there's going to be something that we don't understand about God. And that's okay. And for different people, that wall is going to be in different places for different concepts, for different things. So I always like to talk about that because sometimes we're going to get to a concept that we're like, that makes zero sense to me. And that's okay because our minds our, are limited. We're trying to understand a infinite concept with a finite mind. And eventually that is going to be a problem. Right. So, but the Tanya says here, like, we're, I'm not just going to throw out these concepts to you and be like, okay, not explain them. So the altar of it does go, go into depth on explaining this to the best of his ability. And we have to understand it to the best of our ability. Okay. So how do we understand um, this concept that really everything is just an extension of God is God. Nothing is outside of him. When we feel like we exist on our own. And by the way, we are not an illusion. Okay. I know there's some religions out there and some, um, you know, groups or whatever you want to call them out there that do believe that the physical world is an illusion. We don't believe that the physical world is an illusion. We believe that the physical world is actually here as a reality, but it's just a reflection of God. And it's God's reality. We're not, it's not a separate reality outside of God. Okay. So um, the altar wants to explain, he gives us a few examples on how we can understand this concept better by way of parable or by way of metaphor. Okay. So we're going to have two examples. One of them we talked about in chapters 20 and 21. Okay. That was the example of speech. And if you remember how we talked about speech and the, the reality of speech existence. Okay. So, um, we talked about the fact that speech outside of a person, right. Doesn't really have its own reality. It, it, its existence is really an extension of the human that speaks it. Okay. Um, so when we speak, yes, speech exists outside of us, but it, you can't, there's not nothing tangible about it. You, it's not its own reality. Speech is a direct expression of the person who speaks it, right? Um, so all creations of the world, and as you know, God created the world through speech, right? So and one way that we can look at creation as is compared to God's speech, right? So the world doesn't have an existence onto itself. It's really quite untangible, but it's directly connected and an extension of the person who speaks it. And then the author goes on to say that not only are we talking about speech as it's spoken, but if you want to go even further and really understand this even better, we're actually talking about the potential of speech, right? What happens up here before we actually say the words, we form the words in our brain, we have the potential, our thoughts are potential, the potential to, of speech, right? That is really what the world is like. Before it even leaves the person's body, right? that speech is really one with its person, right? So if you wanna understand how uh, the world and everything outside of God 
is, you know, how you can relate to it is you, if you think about it as how speech is relate, relates to a person, okay? Speech is an, a direct extension of a person, even more so the potential of speech is really not separate from the person himself at all. You can't differentiate the person and the potential of speech. Okay, there's, it's joined together. So that's like God and his creation. God's creations are one with him, right? And a direct extension and expression of God, okay? Um, so that's one way of visualizing this concept. And I, I don't know, I find that these metaphors are really, really super helpful. The next metaphor, which we've never um, talked about yet, I actually is my favorite. But um, when I've given this class before, it's very fascinating how different people relate to the different metaphors. Some people really un, like relate to the speech metaphor and some people will, will relate to this next metaphor that I will give you. And this next metaphor is um, about the the rays of the sun and the sun, okay? So I want to take you on a little journey, okay? Imagine that you are a sun ray, okay? And you have your own little space, your own little identity as a sun ray. You can even name it if you want, right? And you want to trace back the sun ray back to its source. Okay, so you take a rocket ship, right? And you like fly up into space and you get to the sun, okay? Um, and once you reach the sun, you, you want to find your sun ray in the sun. But what's the problem? There are no sun rays in the sun, right? Okay, what's a sun ray? A sun ray is when the, when, when the light leaves the sun right and it's just a it's just an extension of the sun sun so gives the rays it's the rays of the sun right so if you were to trace back the ray to its source oh the source is the sun you don't there are no rays in the sun right and it's a very interesting metaphor because this is not the same as like a needle in a haystack right or where's waldo right what's what's what happens with a needle in the haystack or where's Waldo is that it's hard to find or pinpoint because there's an overwhelming amount of the same, like where's Waldo? There's an overwhelming amount of the same thing. So you're, you're trying to find one person in this huge mass of other things, right? But that's not what this metaphor is about. When you trace the ray back to the sun, it's not because there's too many rays and you can't pinpoint your ray. It's that there's no rays in the sun. Rays don't exist in the sun, right? So here we are, right? Uh, the world is compared to the ray of the sun, right? And if you were to trace back the world back to its source, what do you get? You get God, right? You get God. And there's no worlds outside of God, okay? There's no rays outside of the sun, no matter what you do, no matter how hard you look, there are no rays outside of the sun, okay? So that is um, how this world is compared to. Yes, the world is an expression of God. When it's distant from God a little bit, it's, you, you feel there is an illusion that there is an existence outside of God. But if you were to trace back the ray all the way to its source, there is nothing but God. Okay. And I don't know, I found that metaphor very, very powerful. And every time you, you know, you think about this kinds of things, you're like, okay, yeah, I, I exist here. I'm here in this world. But if I were to trace my source back to where it came from, it's God. Okay. And what is the point of all these conversations? Yeah. Um, Remember what we're trying to get at is that when you think about these thoughts, when you internalize this reality, that there's that we are a mere extension and expression of God, what emotion should that bring you? Joy. Joy. Yeah, joy, right? God is right here. 
here I am. I, I, I'm far from God. I have to pray to him. I have to look to him. I have to, he's in the heavens. He's in the, he's in the books. He's, he's right here in your day-to-day life. So when we think about that, this is, it, 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 there's no, there's no other, there's no other direction. This will bring us joy. Okay. Um, so basically what, what you can do as a, me, as a meditative practice, or even while you go through your day-to-day life, right? Um, if you were to label yourself as a sun ray, right? And you, you think of yourself as a sun ray, and every time you're struggling, you think back to, well, what's my source, right? What's my source? I'm a sun ray, but there's no sun rays in the sun, right? Um, okay, so- the, I'm yes. a godly soul. Yes, exactly. We are we are a piece of God. The world and everything in it we experience is a it, it's a what's the word I'm looking for? A it, it is it, it does exist, right? It's not an illusion, right? When you look at the sun ray outside of like when you see the sun ray outside the window, it's not an illusion. You are seeing a sun ray right? Um, but it's, it's not independent, right? It's not an independent entity. It's not separate from, okay? And these are the, um, the types of things, this is the thought that we need to meditate on. The fact that the creator really doesn't present any interruption in, our, in, in Hashem's reality that he's right here, okay? So the fact that we have a subjective view of a separate existence, um, that is does not disrupt the reality that Hashem is right here. He's right here, okay? Um, now, this is a huge, pretty deep concept that we're really just touching upon right now really in the second part of Tanya, that's when it goes into this in great detail, okay? And that's the second part of Tanya, which is called Shariqa Bamuna. It is where it talks about the oneness of God in great detail. So here we're touching upon it, but the second part of Tanya is where you, if you're really interested, you know, that's, that would, that's really going to take you at another layer, a step deeper, okay? Um, Right now, we're, we're using this thought for a purpose, right? Right now, the reason why we're meditating on this concept is because what's our end game right now is to create joy, right? And remember, I have to remind you, because especially in the times that we live in today, some, sometimes we, we idolize joy for itself and just for the concept of being happy, right? So many times we are taught and we are told, well, do whatever makes you happy, right? Happy, 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 do whatever makes you happy. In the Tanya's perspective, happiness is not, doesn't have value onto itself. Happiness is, well, how do we use our joy in the service of Hashem? Okay, that's the value of joy. What you're doing with your joy and, and how you serve God. Okay, so here we have these thoughts. We're talking about that God is right here with us all the time. That that ought to bring you joy, right? Because we're not alone, right? If you go through the day and you're feeling alone and dejected and sad, you think about the fact, well, you know what? I'm really not alone. God is right here with me, inside of me, outside of me, everywhere I turn. God is here, right? So that's going to bring joy. Um, now the it's it's more. So what the cool thing about it is that it's really more than more than that. The altar brings in a, um, a verse, and actually this verse is very powerful. It's actually part of the twelve pesukim. And if you haven't heard of the twelve pesukim, it's the Rebbe's. Um, compiled 12 verses from different parts of the Torah that are foundational to our service of God. And we teach them to kids and we sit them at parties and we, they're like mantras, right? They're like, so Torah Siva and Shema and we, you know, and Bereshis and, you know, there's all these um, verses. The 12 passages. 
passages, the passages. Yes, the 12 passages that are our foundation to our connection to Hashem. So one of them is actually two of them are actually talked about in this chapter. So you can see how valuable this chapter is. But one of them is um, starts off with Adam. And what it's saying is that this is really um, our, our purpose as humans. That our purpose as humans is to make a dwelling place for God in this world. Okay. Um, and there's a, there's a saying from the Kutzker Rebbe that says, um, someone would ask him, um, like, where is God? Where's God? And he would say, wherever you let him in, right? Wherever you let him in. Now, obviously, like this is a little bit of a mind game, but obviously God is everywhere, whether you let him in or not. But for our own life, for our own way we lead our life, God come, like God's the perfect gentleman, right? He will only come if you invite him in. So God dwells and expresses himself in the place that you allow him in, okay? So by understanding that Hashem is right here with us, allows him to be right here with us. This is why I said in the beginning, this is a... Um, uh, what did I say? That it's going to be a, oh my gosh, what was the word that I used? A mental something, right? What did I say? Guys, help me out. I'm sorry. I can't remember the word. <laughs> I can't remember either. I'm looking at my notes. Um, it's this, like this, I don't know, whatever. We're, we're supposed to like make this a part of our lives, right? Um, it'll come to me, the word that I use, but if we let him in, he will be right here. If we recognize that God is right here with us, then he will be there, right there with us. Okay? Um, so instead of the physical world separating us from him and his existence, right, we realize that no creation is separate from him, like speech of the person who speaks it or like the rays of the sun, right? There's no rays in the sun, right? And we're, it's just, they're both examples of, of us and the world and the physical beings and the universe being just an extension of him, okay? So not only will we be happy if we think about this, but we will be fulfilling our purpose in this world. So when we adapt this as a way of life, as a lifestyle, not only did we get to be happy, but we're also for fulfilling our mission, okay? Of why we were created in the first place, right? And that is to create a dwelling place for him in these lower realms. That's why we were created. Yes, question, perfect time. But didn't Hashem already have a dwelling place in Jerusalem? Well, he wouldn't, he wouldn't have that dwelling place if that world wasn't created if the world our physical world wasn't created then he wouldn't have that dwelling place no but he already had the dwelling place and he left am i correct because well, the, the, the temple, temple was destroyed right right which okay we're actually going to get to that in a couple chapters that what be because the fact that the temple was destroyed what happened is that each of our own homes and our own bodies actually become a temple for god Okay, so if you're patient, um, we will actually talk about that exact concept when we delve into more of understanding the dwelling place for God as a subject on its own. Remember, now we're only talking about the dwelling place for God as it's in relation to creating joy. But in, in the chapter after this one, chapter 35, we start to talk about it as a concept onto itself, and we'll get to, we'll talk about all those things in depth in a few chapters. Okay. Could you, can you hold? So now, so now you're, you're talking about creating a dwelling place for God in the world or in our souls. Okay. I, um, so, so right now we're talking about meditating on the fact that God is right here right now, which allows him to be here right now. Okay. So it's, it's inviting God into our world. Now creating a dwelling place for God does mean in the world and in ourselves. It means both. 
You, and what we're going to get to is that in order to create a dwelling place for God in the world, we need to do it in ourselves first, right? That's usually how it works, right? So you can't go out into the world and preach godly, 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 and, and don't live a godly life. So creating a dwelling place for God, you don't mean by the Messiah coming and then we see the light and we actually see God that like, the like, like our patriarchs the- used, to, used to do because they saw him. Right. That will be the ultimate when Mash- our, our end game is Mashiach. Okay. Our end game is to bring Mashiach, but we can live a Mashiach life before Mashiach comes. We are tasked with the job of bringing God into this world every single day. And the alt, when we reach our ultimate goal, when God is ultimately very comfortable, that will result in Mashiach. But, Mashiach those, but not in seeing God. Well, I don't know what we're going to see when Mashiach comes. Like, I, I think no, obviously is different. I, I think what we'll see God is different than we do now. I think it'll be a very different experience, but we actually get to, all these questions you have are going to be addressed in the coming chapters. So I'll answer, like answer a little briefly, but you'll get the bigger picture. It will, we will get there. Okay. Because there are excellent questions and they're actually exactly the direction that the Tanya is going. Wow. Okay. Okay. So um, I want to read for you for a second from inside the translation of the whole, of the whole uh, passage of Adam in English. I want to read it to you because we should know it because it's our mission statement, right? And if we have a mission statement, we should know what it is, right? So the mission statement is like this. This is the whole purpose of man and the reason of which he was created. And it's also the reason for the creations of the world, upper and lower, to have this home in the lower worlds. For God to have this home in the lower worlds, okay? So the whole reason we were created, the whole reason the world was created was to create a home for God in these lower worlds, in these lower realms, okay? So if you were to have a mission statement, if you, were, if you wanted to know why am I here right now in this world, why do I exist, God, we have a mission statement. Okay, we exist to invite God into this world that he should feel comfortable. How do we do that? Obviously, it's a mindset, but it's also with actions, right? It's also with our mitzvos, our good deeds. That is what actually brings God into this world. Okay, so I I find it very, very grounding and very kind of like comforting to know that if we ever are floundering, if we're ever like not sure why we're here, and we feel like we don't have a purpose and we are lost, if we come back to this sentiment, it will guide us. Because then whatever, whatever you're, whoever you are, whatever talents you have, whatever you know, um, special qualities you have, you use those for God, you're fulfilling your mission in this world. Okay, so if ever there's a time, I, don't, I, I felt this before, um, I kind of wish I had this, this was my default method, but I, I think it'll, it's becoming that more and more, but I can, you can always ask yourself, well, what am I doing for God right now? And that's your mission. That's your mission. And of course, raising our family, making money, you know, to, to support our family, to give charity, like all those months, it doesn't mean you live in a hut in, in, in Brazil and you're studying God and learning and that's it, right? Making a dwelling place for God means you're taking your mundane life and bringing God into your mundane life. It's not, if you were to just have tunnel vision and only be spiritual and I'm only going to learn and pray, that is actually separating your spiritual life and your mundane life. What God wants us to do is he wants us to fuse the two. He wants us to bring God into our day-to-day mundane, boring tasks, you know, um, the monotony of our day-to-day life. When you bring God into that, that's the dwelling place that we're talking about. Okay. So, 
this um okay so i read that to you inside that's what i wanted to do um okay so so like i just said as you go about your day-to-day -day life right and it's mundane and it's and it's tedious and tiresome right and you remember that god is right here what should happen in your brain at that point first of all it should blow your mind right every yeah. Every time you think that it's like, what? God is right here right now. And then that should bring joy. You should feel happy. Okay. Um, and another great metaphor for that is imagine, right? Where, I mean, we don't really live in the times of Kings and Queens, but we can all imagine what it would be like if the king left his palace and he chose your home to he's traveling right and he's you know going out and about into the world and he chose your home to stay in to visit to rest in right what would that make you feel like well okay first of all i'm sure we'd have a little trepidation and we'd be like scurrying around trying to make it perfect right and then you're like what god chose the king chose me to be in my home, to eat dinner with me, to be with my family, to sleep in my bed, right? That, that brings joy. So if you can just translate that, it, it's literally the same thing. If you think about the, the concept that God wants to be in my home, he wants to feel comfortable in my home. What, right? It's huge. It brings so much joy and so much honor. Right. And that's what we want. This is why we're using this meditation to feel this way, because it has to bring joy. Okay. And if it's not bringing joy. Okay. If it's not bringing joy, you're probably struggling with some of those other things we talked about in the previous chapters. Okay. So then you go back to those chapters and you work on that. So if it's not bringing joy because you are um, um, your, your day-to-day overwhelming, then go back and read that chapter. If you're feeling guilty for your, um, missteps, go back to that chapter and read guilt. If you're feeling shame for your impulses that you don't even act on, go back to the chapter and read about shame. Okay. So if this concept of God being right here, right now, wanting to be in your home, isn't bringing joy it's because you have another obstacle that has not been addressed properly. Okay. And you just go back, go back to that chapter, read about it. It will, if we really addressed pretty much everything we've addressed guilt, we've addressed shame, we've addressed apathy, we've addressed physical problems. We've addressed spiritual problems. We've addressed distraction during prayer. Like we've covered it all. Okay. So at this point, remember, time goes in chronological order. At this point, we should be at a place where when we meditate on this concept, it will bring joy. Okay? So um, let me just see if I missed anything. Well, we have one more concept I want to discuss before we wrap up. Okay. The next interesting concept is... Okay, so by this is a very important that we talked about this, but there's a very important point that I wanted to bring home. By being mindful, right, and conscious of God's imminent presence right here, right, that is what's going to allow him to be right here. So if you make space for him mentally, right, that's what's going to give him the place physically, right? That's actually what's going to happen allow you to feel that space, right? So the cool thing is, is that will make you happy, right? But not only will that make you happy, it makes God happy, okay? So we have double joy because we're happy because we have God in our lives and we're God's happy because he wants to be down here, right? Um, and what's the... What's the joy for Hashem, right? And this is where hopefully we'll have time to finish. Um, King Solomon, Shlomo HaMalach says, he says um, this concept of Yisrona or Menachoshech, right? We see the advantage of light over dark, 
Okay, so this has a few different explanations. We can either, we can translate it very um, literally, like, yeah, light is better than dark, right? Obviously, it's not deep, it's pretty obvious. We can go one step deeper where we say, actually, we can appreciate light more after we've been in the dark, mm -hmm. right? After we've been in the dark, we can appreciate light even more, right? And Hasidus goes even a step further. It actually doesn't mean that light um, is, is greater than, that light, um, that, I'm sorry, I got mixed up. It doesn't mean that light is greater than darkness. It means that light can come from the dark, okay? Now, the cool thing is that the, the, basically the light is being created out of the darkness, okay? Now, we actually don't have a physical comparison to this in this world because in this world, it's light replaces dark, right? You, you, you have dark, you light a candle. It's not coming from the dark. It's just replacing the dark, right? But in spiritual, in a spiritual concept that very much exists, you can actually, the light that's created from the darkness is that much more powerful, right? So if you can imagine turning darkness into light and then switching on the light switch, you have double light. Right, because you have the light that came from the dark, and then you have the light that's replacing the dark. Right, so you have double light. So um, when you put one second, wait. Basically, when we come into this world and we create godliness out of the darkness right it's not it's not replacing the dark it's creating light from the dark okay um, because what happens is when we're put in this world it masks the reality when we're in this world it masks the reality of god okay i want you to think about um the world and all its um um degradations or its transition to, to from God being like all the way down here as like translucent curtains. Every step that God comes down here is another translucent curtain. Okay. Darker and darker. Yes. Yeah, what, what happens when you have a lot of translucent, translucent curtains? It becomes opaque. Right. Right. And then it masks the reality. So when we're put in this world, the, the, the reality of God is covered over, right? Um, and we're in this place of darkness, right? We don't see God necessarily in front of us. And then we understand the concept that there is no independent existence outside of God. Of, of God. Then the world is no longer um, obscuring God, but the world becomes the way that we reveal God. Okay, I'm going to say it again, right? Um, we get into this world, it feels dark, okay? It feels like God is concealed, okay? Because we just come here and he's not present before us. And then we start to learn, right? And we get older and we start to learn Hasidus. And Hasidus tells us, actually, God is not separate from us, right? God is not, like, he didn't just create this world and leave us, right? He's actually in this world. So when we start to process that thought and we start to realize that God is actually right here, right? It's not, it's, the world isn't obscuring God, right? The world is actually the way that we're going to reveal God here in the, right here. And so it becomes a conversion, of darkness into light, right? This, us being in this world, we're actually converting this darkness into light, okay? And then what happens? And it brings joy um, and it makes Hashem happy and it makes us happy. And it's actually like a four times joy. Like it's a doubled, redoubled joy because it makes us happy and it makes us happy that God's happy and it makes God happy and it makes God, God happy that we're happy. Right. 
Okay, so it actually says in the Tanya, doubled and redoubled joy. Because we're happy for, God and ourselves are happy for ourselves and for each other. Okay, so um, I'm happy that I brought Hashem close to me in my life. God is happy that he gets to be in this world, which was his whole point to begin with, right? And we're each happy for each other. So for happiness, you know, we're doubled and redoubled times four. The instructors stay in front of the class. And I'm going to mute everybody. Okay, sorry guys. Um, If you have any, whatever, you can unmute yourself if you have a question. Okay, so to put everything in a nutshell, right? Because I want to have time for a quick meditation. If you want to be happy, think about the fact that the world is not an interruption for having God in your life. Okay, it is a mere extension of God. And if you think about it, and if you meditate about it, that's going to bring joy. And not only is it going to bring joy, it's going to bring double joy and triple joy and quadruple joy. Okay. And we are not only replacing darkness with light, right? We are converting the darkness into light. The light is coming from the darkness. One doesn't happen without the other. We would not be able to create this light if we were not in this world. So the light is coming from the darkness, which doesn't happen in like, I can't give you a physical example of that happening, but it happens spiritually with with us all the time, okay? That is the conclusion of chapter 33. Chapter 34 will be a continuation of this, so we're going to talk about it a little bit more. Um, I have some really good um, Hasidic thoughts that are coming from... um, Chaim Miller's Tanya that I'm going to read to you during your meditation because they're just so powerful. And that's what I want you to go away at home. Go, what? Go home with. <laughs> I don't know what's happening to me. Um, um, so let's do that. And then we'll, um, so I'm in the time frame. And then if you have questions, we can address them afterwards. Okay. It's going to, um, hopefully it will, in the meditation, we'll, we'll bring everything into a, Tie it up like a bow. Okay. Take a deep breath. In through your nose, out through your mouth. For the first couple of seconds, I want you, or a minute or two, I want you to focus on your breath. I find that giving yourself a breath count is helpful. So breathe in. One, two, three, four. Exhale. One, two, three, four. But your breath count can be whatever it needs to be. Okay, it can be any number. So don't try to think about really anything right now, just focusing on your breath. Okay. I also want to bring, a, I usually bring a visualization into um, our meditation. And today I want to use the, visual, the visualization that we've talked about in this class. Imagine that you're a sun ray. And you want to find your source. And you travel your sun ray all the way up to space until you hit the sun. And then you look for yourself. You're like, where's my sun ray? Then it hits you and you realize there are no sun rays in the sun. What does that mean? We're just, we're just an extension of God. So when you visualize yourself as a sun ray, just observe. Don't try to fix or change. What do you feel in your body, in your heart, when you think about you as a sun ray being a direct extension of God? Sit with that visualization for a minute.
Okay. Now I'm going to read to you these powerful statements that hopefully you can take with you into your week. When you think about how everything is dissolved in God's presence, you will feel the joy of being very close to God. You take to heart that you are literally engulfed in God. Everything around you and within you is nothing other than a divine indwelling, a ripple of the ocean of the divine. You are swimming in the wondrous reality of God. You are breathing God, seeing God, and dissolving in his presence. His warm, loving embrace is gently enveloping you to the point that you merge with him and come home to your sacred source. Such thoughts of extreme closeness to God when contemplated deeply are a great source of joy. Wow, just sit with that for a minute. That's really, really powerful. God is at home in the universe when you contemplate his non-dual presence. So the more you contemplate this concept that God is here, he will be here. The non-dual secret is your precious inheritance. Own it and celebrate it. That's what I'm going to leave you with. So just immerse yourselves in that thought for another couple seconds. Slowly start to feel your physical body. Um, observe your body in the space. Sense, sights, well, not sights yet, but um, sounds start to bring you back into the present. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. Okay, so there, I have one question in the chat box that I will answer. And then if anyone else has questions, please feel free. Um, is a conversion into light a process that happens by our existence passively or actively what we do? I think that would be an active process. Okay, so we're, when, we're, when we're here, when we're born into here, then we perceive this world as separate from God and, and dark. Only when we start to um, embrace that concept of Hashem being right here with us, that we're just an extension of him, that is actively what's going to, to transform that darkness into light. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, any other questions? I can see the chat box. Anyone on Instagram that has questions? Yes, you have a question or you're, you need to go? No, I just have a comment okay. um, along these same lines. The next JLI class that starts at the end of January is called Meditation from Sinai. Ooh. So it's a six. That sounds week. amazing. Maybe yeah, I take it. Yeah. I think my husband's giving it. Maybe I should go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, I, you need to give me feedback on that and see if your Tanya knowledge gives you a, a leg up on that class. Oh, I'm sure. Meditation practice. <laughs> I'm sure that it's going to connect. Okay, good. Awesome. Okay, guys, it's been real. Thanks for joining me on this very special day. I, I really like, I really do feel so privileged to have been able to teach Tanya today on the day that the author ever was freed from jail. Where, who's the author of the Tanya? So thank you for joining. Um, and oh, 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 important. We will not have class next week. Next week is Hanukkah. So I feel like that's just way too crazy. Um, so we will skip one week and then, um, 
resume. I will send you a reminder because I know when, when we skip a week, it gets a little off schedule, but we can do this, guys. We've got this. We're going to skip a week. We're going to celebrate Hanukkah and then we'll be back. Okay? Awesome. Bye, guys. Bye. Stop the recording.